Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Here's what we're going to be talking about. More pushback over those RFS waivers. We're going to talk with the CEO of the National Biodiesel Board, Donnell Rehagen. They are sending a letter to the president requesting a meeting with him to talk about this issue. We're also going to get reaction to those waivers from Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, and his response to EPA's claim that uh, these waivers are not hurting demand for ethanol. We'll get reaction to that. And our final preview of next week's Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. I was on the show site yesterday. Busy, busy place. There's a, a lot happening there. Equipment moving in, buildings and tents going up. We'll get the uh, final preview from Matt Youngman, National Show's Director for Farm Progress, a little bit later on as we look ahead to next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Decatur, Illinois, the Farm Progress Show. But we're going to start things off today with the administrator of the Farm Service Agency, Richard Fordyce, joins us for an update on those market facilitation program payments. Richard, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. It's always good to talk to you. Okay, I'm having a little trouble hearing you. Our connection isn't the best, so uh, maybe if you could just move a little bit, maybe we'll get a better spot. But uh, I understand the payments uh, have started going out. Is that right? That That is correct. Um, uh, we, we actually initiated payments yesterday, and so producers that uh, have, have come into the office and have, a, have an approved application should be should be seeing dollars in their accounts here uh, in just in the next uh, next few days. Okay, tell us again, uh, what kind of uh, uh, response have you had? How heavy has it been since the announcement was made? Well, as you remember, uh, sign-up began on July 29th, and that time um, we, have, uh, we have paid in 200,000 applications across the country so you know that's um, that's in my mind is amazing response to farmers uh coming in and and uh different applications our county offices certainly are busy uh right now with the market location program okay we're having a still having a little trouble getting a good clear signal with you richard so if you could repeat that again about the numbers so far that have come in sign up so we've had uh, over two hundred thousand, uh, over two hundred thousand applications um, since sign up began on July 29th. Uh, so as you can imagine, uh, our county offices across the country are extremely busy. Yeah, two hundred thousand so far. All right. Uh, now, the check are checks going out, or is a lot of this direct deposit, or how's it going? Yeah, so it, you know it depends on how the producer prefers uh, prefers to interact with the service agency. A lot of those are deposit anymore. Um, you know, I think we still do issue checks, but most of most of that is is direct deposit. So they'll the farmers that have approved applications that have been in signed up and have those applications approved, um, they are being processed for payment and. 
so they ought to see, you know, they have to see those dollars in their accounts or be getting uh, here within the days. I know there have been uh, maybe some computer issues. Have you got all those worked out? Is everything now, you think, running pretty smoothly to get uh, the payments out? Yeah, I think so, Mike. I, uh, you know, we've, we've heard different things about, uh, you know, different issues depending on where you were in the country. And, and you know, the software, the software was working um, as it was designed. I think, I think what we found is we had some situations uh, in different parts of the country that um, that we needed to modify that software. But you know, on, on July 29th, <clears throat> the software was functioning like it was designed to do. And again, we've made some enhancements to that software to address some of those issues, and and we'll continue to do that as we you know as um, you know find opportunities to improve. Uh, improve not only uh, service to our producers, but also improve, you know, the interaction with our with our employees uh, in our county offices. So, yes, I think you know, I think place from from that perspective, and um, we're just going to charge forward. We're talking with FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. By now, Richard, I'm sure everyone has their county rate. Uh, uh, memorized and and burned in their in their minds uh have you had much reaction to that or questions of why one county was a certain rate and a nearby county was another rate you know um not very much i i've been uh in the last couple of weeks i've been around the midwest primarily um and you know visiting with farmers at different locations you know most folks are pretty pleased with that county rate um you know there's the odd one uh, that maybe is a little lower than surrounding counties, and honestly, we can dig into the data and kind of figure out why that is. It's, you know, we're taking three years of, of planting history and three years of yield history, and if a county, you know, were adversely affected by weather in one of those three years, um, you know, whether it was a drought or something, um, those yields are lower, and and so we can kind of we can kind of figure that out. I know my county. It is lower. Uh, it's a lower rate than counties west of me, and you know we were affected by the drought last year, and a little bit of a late season drought the year before that really kind of really kind of shortened yields. And so the counties west of me did not have that situation, and so their rates are a little higher um, than what my what my own county is. So you know we we know the data is sound. Um, you know this this agency, the Farm Service Agency. Um, you know, we're really good at capturing data, that historical data, and that's, those were the figures that were plugged in when we created those those individual county rates. And so we're confident those numbers are sound. Um, and and we, if there is an anomaly in some in some county, we, we can kind of explain that. Has there been anything decided, anything worked out on uh, the disaster bill that was passed as far as getting that uh, assistance out? So obviously a lot of work uh, around that. We, you know, we spent we spent a lot of time getting the market facilitation program out um, out out the door for producers to begin sign up, uh, and, and that work is happening right now with the supplemental disaster bill that Congress passed uh, just a few short weeks ago. And you know, I would expect an announcement on on disaster um, participation to be coming fairly soon. I. I don't know. I can't give you a date because I don't know that there is one. And I would guess, you know, I would guess in the next few weeks um, something something will come out. You know, as you remember, 
the supplemental disaster bill had uh, had kind of the traditional uh, wildfire and hurricane kind of um, uh, mentions as 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 recovered from that. But there was also obviously mentions of prevented plant acres, of on-farm stored commodities, and some other things that were not in not in the disaster uh, package from 2018. So more components really for us to try to right. work through and, and determine how we're going to administer those so that announcement will be coming fairly soon mike okay we'll be watching for that in the meantime the uh, market facilitation program payments are going out richard thanks for the update all right mike thank you so much take care fsa administrator richard fordyce up next the ceo of the national biodiesel board stay with us on aoa Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Okay, I only have 15 seconds to tell you about Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology, the new Dicamba premix herbicide from Syngenta. It controls tough weeds and soybeans like Palmer Amaranth, water hemp, and grass weeds. Actually, we're going to go longer because Tavium lasts longer. So you get all the power of Dicamba plus up to three weeks longer residual control than Dicamba alone. Now time's officially up for tough weeds. Talk to your local Syngenta retailer to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Tavium plus vapor grip technology is a restricted-use pesticide. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. So we just talked with the CEO of the National Biodiesel Board, Donnell Rehagen, an industry, this biodiesel industry that's reeling from these RFS waivers that are being granted. And, of course, uh, as plants shut down, uh, that's that's loss of market for soybean growers. We know about the situation with China, huge market loss there. So what about the efforts to develop new markets for our soybeans? Let's talk about that now with the CEO of the U.S. Soybean Export Council, Jim Sutter. Jim, good to talk with you again. Uh, I know you're working hard on this, trying to find uh, new markets for our soybeans. Tell us about those efforts. We certainly are. You know, our focus, we really sort of, if you think about it, we have a bit of a three-pronged focus trying to build market share in existing markets like we currently have, trying to grow brand new markets, and then trying to help hopefully over time regain our market to get our foothold back in China. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? 
Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. The pushback over EPA granting more RFS waivers is being heard and felt all the way to the White House. And we've talked about it this week. Uh, the president saying, uh, telling his uh, advisors and his uh, staff uh, they need to find a way to address this and uh, address the concerns being raised by the biofuels industry and throughout rural America. Here to talk about it is Donnell Rehagen. He's CEO of the National Biodiesel Board. Donnell, thank you for joining us. I know you're requesting a meeting with the president on this, right? Yes, we are, Mike. It's uh, it's gotten to that point where we, uh, as we understand it, the president was, himself was involved in the decision to uh, have the EPA grant those 31 waivers, uh, which is well over a billion gallons of lost demand for renewable fuels. And so, uh, we we want to take our message straight to him and, and tell him why that decision was the wrong one and offer him some ways to fix it. So you're sending a letter to the president? Yes, we uh, we joined the American Soybean Association yesterday uh, on a joint letter asking if both of us, both of our organizations, could ha- have a few moments to sit down with the president and talk about the importance of the RFS, the importance of growing the RFS on an annual basis, and surely not uh, then turning around backwards and uh, taking that, some of that demand back by granting uh, such a large number of these SREs. What do you make of EPA saying that these waivers are not hurting demand? Well, they're, they're absolutely wrong. There's a, a lot of independent study that says exactly the opposite. I think uh, the EPA is most likely getting their talking points from, uh, from the oil refiners. Uh, and everyone would like to believe that. But if it really wasn't creating a loss in demand, then what's the value of the RFS program to begin with? So we all know that is not true. Uh, the biodiesel industry is being impacted these last few years that these SREs have been granted. Uh, we're getting up close to a billion gallons of lost demand just for biodiesel. And so uh, anyone who says the opposite is just not being truthful. So if, if EPA was telling the president that there is no damage being done uh, do you think he just the president you know just listened to that and, and didn't get the full picture and uh, and because there was so much hope after he said he was going to review the policy that maybe some changes would get made and then it comes out that there wasn't uh, and now he's feeling that pressure but you think he just uh, relied on the information he was getting from EPA that that's the only thing I can assume, obviously, I was not uh, not in the room for those conversations, but you're correct. We were very hopeful uh, that when he asked uh, Sonny Perdue and Andy Wheeler to sit down and try to figure out a, a better solution after his visit to Iowa regarding the E15 announcement, uh, we felt very good about that. But it seemed like uh, nothing came out of that until the president ultimately, I guess, made the decision, broke the tie, so to speak, and, and told uh uh, Administrator Wheeler to move forward with these SREs, and so we are now uh, making we're saying the same things we've always said. This is a, a huge amount of demand destruction. It impacts not just biodiesel producers, but it impacts our nation's farmers, the same soybean farmers that this president has relied on 
to be an ally of his in his effort to fix what's broken with trade uh, regarding China. So, you know, we'd like to think that uh, the president's allies deserve uh, deserve a few moments to make their case, and that's what we're asking for. It sounds like from the meeting, if, you know, according to accounts, you know, where he says we have to address this, that he was not expecting this kind of response, even though he was told about these concerns when he was in Iowa this summer. Right. I, I, you know, I do think the biodiesel industry is kind of, and our, our industry kind of gets lost sometimes in the RFS discussion. So I do wonder that the president wasn't, you know, thinking about what he had done positively for the ethanol industry in the form of E15 um, and maybe feeling like, uh, you know, he gave that on one side and this on the other side is not going to be that harmful. But, um, you know, we're all smarter than that to know that you can't, uh, you know, give with one hand and take with the other, and that's basically what these SREs do. It, uh, the volume that might have been added through uh, E15, more than that was removed by uh, by these S- granting of these SREs. It's just a bad practice, and so it's important for the president to, to put a stop to it, not just this year, but next year, and if he's reelected, the uh, four years after that. And that's, that's why uh, we've had enough. He really made it worse by saying that he was going to uh, review the policy, even though he didn't say he was going to change it. But he got people's hopes up that there would be changes. And then when the announcement came out about over 30 more uh, exemptions, that really that just kind of uh, made the situation worse. It did. There's there's no doubt it, it brought everybody on the renewable side. It brought our hopes up, and then we were you know, hearing a, a little bit about those conversations and still feeling very positively. And, and, uh, but when that ultimate decision was made, it, it, it makes us wonder why can we not find our way to the top of the president's mind when it comes to the renewable fuel standard. Uh, you would think we would be the first that he would be thinking about and not, uh, uh, not the oil refiners. And so uh, we want to make sure we're taking that message again directly to him and having that conversation so there's a better understanding of the really true impacts uh, that SREs are causing. As you mentioned, he's, he's likely believing it, it doesn't have an impact. And we need to make sure he understands it does and how, how impactful that is for not just biodiesel producers, but for soybean farmers as well. So what do you want to see done, Donnell? I mean, obviously uh, a change in this policy on the, on the waivers, but uh, to address this, reallocation of gallons, I mean, could that be done in the RVO levels uh, for 2020 and 2021? They absolutely could, and that's exactly what we're asking the president to do. We we do not have you know a, a great deal of disdain for uh, for the exemptions. If they're if they're warranted, they should be granted. The law allows that. But what we say is those gallons that are exempted should then be put back into uh, the RBOs. And so that has that's the part that has not been happening. That's the part the EPA has chosen to not. That's the path EPA has chosen to not take. And so. We need to see annual growth in the RVOs, first and foremost. And then at that same point in time, if SREs are granted, we need those volumes exempted to be put back into that number again so that there's growth uh, without any demand destruction coming in behind that in the form of SREs. Yeah, that's the key. I mean, they could come out and make an announcement that they're going to up those RVO levels and seemingly cover for those lost gallons. But if they continue to grant the waivers, then same old thing, right? You, you've minimized the impact of that announcement. Exactly. And, in fact, that's what the EPA did because for, for 2020, 
they did raise the biomass-based diesel volume in the in the uh, RFS by about 300 million gallons. So we were excited about that. We we appreciated that, and we thank the EPA for that. That was last year. Now this year they grant these SREs, and it's about the same amount of gallons that we've calculated biodiesel will lose by those uh, exemptions that were granted just last week. So they gave us 300 million gallons last year, and they took those same 300 million gallons away this year. Yeah, this is just—it's it, almost a shell game going on. But in the meantime, the 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 impact out in uh, in the countryside on the on your plants, your biodiesel plants—that's worth being felt. It's it's real, you know. And and you've probably seen the announcements the last uh, three over the last three weeks. This is four plants that have been closed. Uh, jobs that have been lost, and uh, some of those we hope will come back, but they're going to need stronger signals from the government in the form of, again, growing RVOs, uh, not being uh, undermined by SREs, but as well as some action on the tax credit to, uh, to see those jobs reinstated. So I think that's just the beginning for our industry if uh, things don't turn around pretty quickly and those signals be, be starting to be seen pretty shortly. And so that's, again, why we've We've taken our message straight to the president of the United States. Your industry, the biodiesel industry, has bounced back from a lot of setbacks. Uh, this is the latest and in some ways maybe the the most dangerous, would you say, as far as being able to rebound and move forward? Well, it is. You know, there's there's great opportunity ahead of us, right, when you look at the, the push to decarbonize our transportation fuel. So we have a great future ahead of us. We just have to make it through to, you know, through today, and these are issues that are affecting us today. And obviously the biodiesel tax credit being absent for now 18 months um, is, is not helpful whatsoever. Again, it's all about signals. Our biodiesel producers are some of the most resilient people I know. They very much remind me of soybean farmers. And so they will, they will, they will kick back. They will take care of it. They'll, they'll, they'll keep going. They'll keep plugging away, but not in the sense of signals that are inconsistent, uh, that create this uncertainty among downstream partners that they might have as to whether they should or shouldn't or do or, or don't need to buy uh, renewable fuels. All right, Donnell, look forward to hearing what the, the response is to your letter to the president, and uh, hopefully some, we'll get some action on this. We look forward to staying in touch with you. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Mike. Donnell Rehagen, CEO of the National Biodiesel Board. We're going to get more reaction to these RFS waivers and the claims EPA is making that they're not hurting uh, biofuels demand. We'll talk with the president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Have you or a loved one used Roundup Weed Killer and been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? You may be entitled to compensation. Call 800-966-3316. In an August 9, 2019 Bloomberg News story, it was reported that Bayer AG is proposing to pay as much as $8 billion to settle more than 18,000 lawsuits, alleging its Roundup Weed Killer was responsible for the plaintiff's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Strict deadlines may apply, so call 800-966-3316. That's 800-966-3316 for a free case review today. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. 
bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle, always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network, broadcasting from Mitchell, South Dakota once again for the final day of Dakota Fest. On this Thursday, an hour into the trading day for the grain and oil seed sector, we're trying to firm up in soybean futures and in Chicago wheat corn futures have seen an easier tone. China still talking about retaliating to new U.S. tariffs to take place on September 1st. For livestock at the Merck, cattle traders still waiting on widespread cash cattle activity, asking prices around 108 to 109 in the south, 178 to 180 in the north. It's possible that significant trade volume could be delayed until sometime on Friday. Next week, Mike and I and Sabrina Hill will be at the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. We hope to see you there. We send it back to the studios now. With the numbers, here is Kirsten Rawl. On the Board of Trade, September corn a penny and a half higher at 364. Nearby soybeans up six and a quarter of a cent at 866 and three quarters of a cent. Minneapolis spring wheat September a penny and a fraction of a cent lower at 501. Kansas City wheat September up five and a quarter of a cent at 391 and a half cent. Chicago wheat September up five and three quarters at 468 and a quarter of a cent. For livestock at the Merck in live cattle futures, August a dollar 42 higher at 104.10. August feeders 32 cents higher at 137.77. October lean hogs down 57 cents at 62.72. In the outside markets, the Dow is 74 points higher. The Nasdaq composite up 8. Crude oil is up 13 cents at 56.34. The S&P is down a point. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Kirsten Rawl for the American Ag Network. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Lots to talk about with the president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, Jeff Cooper. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Almost don't know where to start. Uh, let me start with this. EPA is continuing to claim that these RFS waivers are not hurting ethanol demand. I know there's debate about this. Uh, right. What is your response to them saying 
no no harm being done. Well, well Mike, I, I think it's absolutely ludicrous for them to suggest that there is zero evidence, that's what they said, zero evidence uh, that these small refiner exemptions have had any negative impact on corn ethanol producers. And no sooner had they said that uh, than we saw announcements from two major ethanol companies uh, that they are idling production. A, a plant in Indiana, 92 million gallon plant, uh, and a plant in Wisconsin uh, is throttling way back. Uh, so that brings the total number of plants to 15 now. Uh, that have idled production temporarily or permanently uh, since EPA began to massively expand these small refiner exemptions. You know, and we've seen what's happened in, in the, the ethanol market. Uh, prices have, have collapsed. REN prices are in the gutter. Uh, corn prices are absolutely being affected by these exemptions as well. So to suggest that there's no demand destruction is, is frankly absurd and it's insulting. Uh, to those of us in the industry uh, who, who know better. I have heard people say the reason for these um, idling of plants and, and workers getting laid off and the industry being where it's at is because of overproduction. What do you say to that? Well, the, the industry was ramping up production uh, and planning uh, to, to grow because of the renewable fuel standard and the signals that it was sending. Uh, so, so, yes, there is more product on the market now uh, than there's demand for because that demand that everyone was expecting uh, as a consequence of the RFS didn't materialize. It's, it's a bit like if, if I uh, call the pizza, you know, the pizza place and order 10 pizzas, uh, and then when I show up to pay for them, you know, the guy brings 10 pizzas to the counter, and I say, oh, never mind, I only want seven of these. Uh, did he overproduce the pizzas? No, he, he produced based on the expectation that he was going to sell 10 pizzas. That's exactly what's going on uh, in the ethanol industry. So this, this canard or this excuse of, oh, uh, you're just overproducing and, and it has nothing to do with these exemptions um, is, is really dodging the, 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 the real issue here. From the stories we're hearing and reading this week, it sounds like perhaps the president listened to his EPA administrator who told him, hey, we can grant these waivers, and they're not going to hurt uh, the industry. And now he's hearing this pushback from you and others in the industry, and supposedly yeah. he's saying now we have to address these concerns. It, it, do you think he just just believed Andrew Wheeler on this and said and thought, hey, we're okay on this? Well, Mike, I think he got bad advice uh, from whoever he was listening to at the White House or at EPA about these exemptions, um, and, and he, he has indicated as much, at least according to some news reports, that he feels like he was misled by his own people. So uh, I'm sure he's a little bit perturbed uh, with some of his staff and the advice that, that he got on this. Uh, the reaction was probably not what um, Andrew Wheeler and others were expecting. Uh, farmers are mad about this, and I think you're seeing that reaction on social media uh, you're seeing it in letters to the editor and, and phone calls that are happening. Uh, people are upset. Uh, people in our industry are very upset. Um, you know, we're, we're sending people home uh, that, that, you know, a year ago were, were fully employed, and, and now uh, because their plant is shut down, uh, they're looking for work. Uh, so people are upset about this, and they should be. And I think that reaction and, and response to this latest round of exemptions 
uh, was not what the White House was expecting. So, yeah, I think now uh, uh, the White House, the administration, is is scrambling to uh, try to put the genie back in the bottle. And, and you know, it's going to be difficult to do that, but uh, we're hopeful they can figure out a way. So is the best way forward then to to reallocate those gallons by increasing the RVO levels next year and the year after that uh, in the RFS with yep. with some kind of stipulation that you're not going to take those gallons right back with more waivers. Exactly. They, there's really two things uh, that the president could do today uh, that I think would really go a long way in calming the fears and anxiety uh, in, in corn country around these exemptions. Uh, first, uh, he could say, hey, when this 2020 RVO final rule comes out in November, it is going to properly address that 500 million gallon remand. We're going to add that 500 million gallons to the 15 billion uh, conventional biofuel requirements. So you have 15.5 uh, for 2020. And we're going to reallocate on a prospective basis any small refinery exemptions that we think we're going to give out. And based on the last few years, uh, they know they're going to give some out. So if you do, that's fine, but you got to reallocate that 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 volume uh so if those two things uh you know if, if if the president came out and announced his intention to do those two things today uh in the 2020 final rule i think it would go a long way in calming the markets down uh and and uh you know really calming uh farmers and and biofuel producers down as well i mean let's face it when you're what he has to look at i think now it's finally he finally must realize there are political ramifications to this decision. Well, that's right. And, and just yesterday, Mike, at the very same ethanol plant where President Trump uh, toured uh, back in June, Southwest Iowa Renewable Energy, uh, there was an event at that very same ethanol plant in, in the same place uh, that the president had, had walked through. Uh, and uh, Mike Yerke, the CEO of Sire, Delane Johnson, the CEO of another Iowa ethanol plant, uh, and, and, you know, uh, several dozen farmers were on hand with Congresswoman Axney from Iowa uh, to talk about this issue and to raise awareness about the negative impacts these exemptions are having on rural America and, and on our industry. So um, there are political implications, and I think uh, some of that is, is finally being understood. Uh, and we hope that, you know, we hope that it leads to uh, some positive resolution and, and outcome on this issue. Yeah, because he's hearing from members of his own party uh, about their concerns over this. Uh, let me ask you something else, Jeff. This is Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. I had something brought to my attention on the E15. Uh, evidently, in a Houston Chronicle op-ed, someone with the National Center for Public Policy Center uh, warning drivers about E15, calling on lawmakers to get rid of the blend, and there's information out there just so misleading it says that uh, nearly three and four vehicles are not compatible with e15 saying if you have a gm car made before 2012 a ford made before 2013 or a toyota or honda made before 2014 e15 could wreck your engine i mean this is just total uh, uh, misleading i mean uh, the way i understand it correct me if i'm wrong but any vehicle 2001 and newer e15 has been approved for right that's absolutely right, Mike. And and what you're what you're reciting there from the Houston Chronicle is just more baloney uh, from the oil industry. EPA has legally approved 
after the most extensive and expansive testing program in history, uh, the use of E15 in any vehicle built in 2001 or later model years. Uh, that's about 95% of the vehicles on the road today. So this three and four nonsense is, is just um, <laughs> more baloney. Uh, you know, nine out of ten vehicles are legally approved by EPA. Uh, you know, most vehicles since 2012, 2013 are also approved by the, the manufacturer. Um, you know, and, and there's analysis out there. There's, there's detailed research showing that, hey, you know what, if you put E15 in vehicles older than 2001, it's probably not even, you know, not going to mean anything, that the vehicle's not going to know the difference. Uh, so, you know, again, more myths, more misinformation. Uh, we're getting used to, to <laughs> fighting that each and every day in this industry. Well, the ethanol industry has fought these battles uh, years and years now. But is it, I don't want to be overdramatic, but do you feel right now the industry's fighting for its life? Uh, Mike, I, I don't think that is overly dramatic. I mean, when, when you look at uh, the, the near-term outlook, if something doesn't change, uh, we are going to see uh, a, a real crisis in this industry, uh, and that is not an exaggeration. Um, we're, you know, as I said, we saw just this week another uh, two plants announce their, their idling capacity. Uh, we're expecting more announcements uh, unless something changes on these exemptions, unless something changes on the trade dispute with China uh, and some other barriers that are, that are keeping our product uh, out of the marketplace. And, and, of course, every time an ethanol plant shuts down, uh, that's lost corn demand. And, you know, the last thing farmers need is more corn backing up uh, you know, and, and adding to the carryout. So uh, this, is, this is an issue that bears close watching. Uh, we're not, you know, we're not in crisis mode yet, uh, but unless something changes pretty quickly, I could see where we're, where we're headed that way. Jeff, thank you. Um, I know the biofuels industry, we just talked with Donnell Rehagen. They're requesting a meeting with the president. I think a meeting with the president and the biofuels industry, all of you leaders in the industry, would be uh, is very much needed, and hopefully something like that will happen soon. Well, that's that's something we're working on. We're talking with the, the folks at National Biodiesel Board and, and, and our other friends and, and allies uh, through throughout agriculture and, and the biofuels sector. Uh, we need to all band together to, to uh, right the ship here. Very good. All right. Jeff, thank you very much. We'll stay in touch. All right. Thank you, Mike. Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. All right. Next, our final preview of next year's Farm Progress Show. It's coming up next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We'll tell you more about it next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. 
Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today. 800-745-3327. 800-745-3327. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110 and I had a stroke and I'm 33 so I never see this coming if you've come off your treatment plan get back on it or talk with your doctor to create an exercise diet and medication plan that works for you go to loweryourhbp.org head to toe everything's changed head to toe brought to you by the American Heart Association American Medical Association and the Ad Council Recently, on Adams on Agriculture, EPA continues to grant waivers to the RFS, causing a lot of harm to the biofuels industry. We talked yesterday with Bob Deneen with Renewable Fuels Association. Today, joining us is Donnell Rehagen, CEO of the National Biodiesel Board. Donnell, 31 more waivers being granted. Uh, I mentioned yesterday, this is like kicking an industry when it's down. It's been frustrating. You know, there's been a little bit more clarity provided over the last couple of years, a little bit more transparency, but so much of the application process by the refiners is covered by uh, supposedly confidential business information. So, yeah, these things are being done basically in the dark of night, and uh, we find out what the uh, impacts are much, uh, much after they're actually granted. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. In the fight against resistant weeds, you need to be prepared to fight back with the best possible herbicide rotation available. Kick off your soybean spray program with Syngenta's pre-emergence residual herbicides, Boundary or Broadaxe XC. Follow that with the hard-hitting post-emergence knockdown and residual herbicide Flexstar GT 3.5, and you'll be giving your soybean fields the protection they need to win the fight against weeds. To learn more, visit your local Syngenta retailer. Always read and follow label instructions when using Syngenta products. Stress less in a minute from the American Ag Network. We are talking with Monica McConkie with Prairie St. John's and Eyes on the Horizon Consulting. This week, she tells us what to do when self-stress management isn't working. When you have tried and it's, it's just beyond what you're able to handle, there is no shame in reaching out for help. If you were battling a heart issue or would you spend trying to fix it on your own before you would go seek out medical help? Probably not a lot of time. So our mental health should not be any different. 
When you're feeling overwhelmed, especially if you're having any thoughts of suicide, you don't wait. And it doesn't mean having to go to a therapist. Start with your primary care provider. The worst thing is just not reaching out and trying to deal with it yourself. That's Monica McConkie. This is Stress Less in a Minute from the American Ag Network. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. is next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Time now for our final preview report brought to you by Acuron Corn Herbicide from Syngenta. Upgrade your herbicide to Acuron. Always read and follow all label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. Joining us now is Farm Progress National Show's Director Matt Youngman. Matt, saw you yesterday at the show site. Wow, a lot of activity going on, a lot of tents, a lot of buildings going up, a lot of equipment coming in. Absolutely. It was good to see you yesterday, Mike. There certainly is a beehive of activity. You know, we, uh, we've received plenty of dust control, as you saw, and so we're, we're, we're working through that. And everybody, you know, the forecast is going to shape up for a really nice weekend. We're going to be able to get the thing whipped into shape really, really well. Yeah, you have some really uh, cool temperatures uh, expected next week, uh, which will be helpful for those coming to the uh, show. Uh, you mentioned you had dust control. I, I, I saw some mud there yesterday. Yep, that's exactly right. We uh, we got about eight tenths uh, the other day and then another another quarter inch last night. And so things are a little bit soft, and, and we're having to make a few alternative plans in terms of getting the exhibitors in and getting the equipment unloaded, that kind of thing. But we're going to be fine. Um, you know, we've got three real nice, clear, beautiful days to set up, and, and so the forecast through the show looks really good. Really excited about about everything we're gonna we got coming up here in the next week. For those that have never seen the Farm Progress Show exhibit field uh, go up, uh, it's amazing. It's like building a town, isn't it? Yeah, with all the all including all of the utilities that you, that you would expect. You know, we've got sewer systems and water systems and electrical distribution out there to all 900 of those exhibit spaces. And, um, you know, it, it is, it, there are street addresses for all the lots, so it's easy to navigate and, and find your way around. Um, you know, we're, we're the, the, the work that the exhibitors are doing, you saw some of it in person yesterday. These exhibits are shaping up and are just going to be beautiful. Yeah. The way those have, have uh, evolved over the years is amazing. I mean, these companies come in and set up uh, – uh, for three days, and and their exhibit, I mean, it, it looks, now some of them are there year-round, but more and more, even if they're going to be there three days, they look like they're permanent structures. They do. They, they, they build a tent, and then they build a facade around that tent, uh, you know, an, an exhibit like Syngenta or our, you know, our Syngenta Square. It looks like a permanent structure, uh, but, you know, instead of tin or something else on the wall, it's, it's, it's vinyl, and, and a lot of them build facades on the outside of them. Um, it's, it's, it's certainly an amazing amount of effort, a lot of air conditioning units, which fortunately we're not going to run those too hard next week, but, but about 35 of those structures out there, uh, whether they be permanent or they be tents are, are air conditioned so that the, the, the visitors are, are comfortable in there. Should be good to go on field demos. Yeah, we're going to have another meeting at one o'clock today. We, we, we have corn that is ready to go. 
um, some of the 77-day corn is is going to is going to be good to go. These these last couple weeks of cool temperatures has not has not baked down the 86-day corn like we'd hoped. So we're going to figure out how to make that 77-day corn go as just as far as we can to make sure that we run as many demos as possible. So you think you'll have enough uh, to cover the three days? Yep, yep we're gonna we're gonna be good. Um, it's just a matter of you know it, it, it has more to do with how much can we how much can we get by with so because all of these are brand new machines and you know everybody knows if you get a brand new machine it needs a little time on it to to shine it up and make it run right so it's more about what are we going to do for the next couple of days to get these exhibitors enough tune-up acres so that they put on a good show when we fire it off at 11 o'clock on tuesday morning you don't want to take a brand new untested machine and just dive into a field with a several thousand people watching you so you think you'll be- You'll have enough 77-day corn for the demos in. Yep, we, we, we certainly will. We certainly will. We're going okay. to um, get everything opened up uh, here, probably probably do all the setup and all the tune-up on Monday, uh, give it as much time as we can to get it to dry down, and then, uh, and then we'll be good to go. We will roll a combine at 11 o'clock on Tuesday morning for sure. All right, give us show times next week uh, when, the show, yep. when the gates open. Yeah, uh, 8 o'clock every day. We run 8 to 5 on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then 8 to 4 on Thursday. We want to give our exhibitors a little jump start on getting home for Labor Day weekend. You can still buy advanced tickets. You can still buy the, the Kubota Pro Pass, which is a, th- uh, which is a three-day pass. Uh, you can find all that stuff at farmprogressshow.com. Your wristband is from Titan is good for $100 off your next set of Titan tires. Uh, plenty, of stuff, pl- plenty of stuff to see here and plenty of planning that you can do there on the website programs are available absolutely and the program is also on the website all 140 pages are there in a pdf form so you can leaf through that and 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 learn about hemp and the tiling demonstrations and the the pipe mock pipeline strike we're going to do and all the new products that are being unveiled the autonomous tractors uh all of the all the activities are there on the website and in the show program okay what's that website address again that is farmprogressshow.com farmprogressshow.com so we look forward to big crowds of the weather as i said for for show attendees ought to be uh, about perfect it looks like for next week yeah it's chamber of commerce weather next week it's you know 75 to 80 and sunny and not much wind and it's just going to be it's just going to be ideal so i'd encourage everybody before they tear off into this harvest take a couple days away from the farm and, and get yourself primed and ready for a better 2020 than what most folks have experienced here in 2019 all right, sounds good. And as you've told us, there's going to be a lot uh, to see there. There always is, but a lot of a lot of new uh, products are going to be unveiled next week. Yeah, we're really excited about that. It's the year of the tractor. Uh, versatile, fence, cloth, Kubota, um, Case IH. You know, almost everybody that sells the tractor has got a new tractor to unveil, right. and a lot of them are global unveilings. All so, right, we'll see you next week, Matt. Thank you very much, Mike. Look forward to it. Thanks a lot, Matt Youngman, Farm Progress National Shows Director, Farm Progress Show next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Decatur, Illinois. Our preview brought to you by Acuron Corn Herbicide from Syngenta. Upgrade your herbicide to Acuron. Always read and follow all label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. I'll be broadcasting Wednesday of next week from the Syngenta tent. 
And we'll talk more about our schedule uh, next week uh, at Farm Progress Show. We'll talk more about that tomorrow and on Monday, but it'll be a big week next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in Decatur. Thanks for joining us on Agriculture. <laughs> 